Well, hey there, fellow nerds and ne'er-do-wells. I'm AJ, and welcome to the Adventurers Anonymous podcast, the home of improvised fantasy fucknuggetry. Come join us week by week as a rotating cast of geeks sip cocktails, play Dungeons and Dragons, and seek a glorious death. As ever, I'm duty-bound to remind you that the content from here on in is not suitable for little ears. What follows is mostly improvised and entirely inappropriate. So, if you still have your milk teeth, or you're attempting to master the ABC, then shuffle off and come back when you're a little older. Quite frankly, we don't need your parents chasing us out of town with a pitchfork again. Go on. Go, 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 go. Go to bed. What was that, Shan? No Texans. <laughs> uh, sit seems... Seems oddly specific. Oh, oh you... Wow. No, no, no Texans. No Texans. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Catman. Uh, that didn't at all fuck with my rhythm, listeners. I do use the rhythm method, by the way, listeners, to through these intros. As ever, I am joined. Shut up. As ever, I am joined by the usual band of merry mischief makers. First up, coming to us live and direct from Finland, is Mr. Matt Durant, the man the local Finns like to call Kusivelo. That sounds nice. I want some of that on my my, my toast. What? Does Kusi Velo? Apparently, it means piss wizard. Kusi? Kusi Velo. Oh! Is there an H in there? Yeah, there is. Velho. Velho. Kusi Velho. Kusi Velho. Yeah, I guess you could ask a Velho, which would be shit wizard. (laughs) Shit wizard! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think one of them tarmac my driveway ones. <laughs> a shit wizard. One more time for the for the listeners. How do we say? How do we say shit with Oscar Velho? Shit lizard. Shit wizard. <laughs> Shitting lizards. Bus bus Oscar Velho. Pissing gizzards. Oscar Velho. Piton Oscar Anyway, how are you? Cling on now. Is that is that where we are? Gobla. <laughs> Finnish, let's, let's not. We have a very small and growing listenership in Finland. Let's not piss them off by referring to them as an intergalactic race of hooligans. If, it, if, it's, if it's a, if it's by small you mean one, that <laughs> might be me. Next up, we have the highborn lady from Croydon herself, who is medically regarded by some as a tequila-based life form. How's your hangover, Chanel? The hangover has gone. It has finally left the building. I can officially see out both eyes. At the same time, that's good. Uh, in the same direction. Wow. Yeah, that might be unrelated. <laughs> it, it was probably the worst hangover I have ever had. Yikes! Really? Um, what does it rate? One out of ten on the uh, Jägermeister scale. Um, it, it got so bad it was the Glasgow scale. Wow! So yeah. for for listeners who don't know, that is the International Coma Scale. Is it? I would have thought you'd been rude to the Scottish. No, no. I did not know that. The International Scale, and I think it's called the Glasgow Scale because... Of the movie Train Spotting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Yeah. the Glasgow Mm. Scale. Okay. Well, there we go. Right. Spoiler alert. Last up, we have the man who many consider to be the socially savvy siren of the internet age. (laughs) It's Mr. Chris. Neil, how the bloody hell are you? Uh, I'm fantastic. My shits are perfect. Uh, and I've never heard of the Bristol scale. <laughs> Phenomenal. I tried, I asked ChatGPT what a better way of saying woke millennial thirst trap was, and it came back and said, 
On the whole, it's best not to identify people as thirst traps because that can be seen as offensive. But if I did have to answer you, you could perhaps call him a socially savvy siren of the internet age. Mm. Do you prefer that one? It did scream thesaurus answer. <laughs> wow. You are a siren. Um, yeah. L- loud and annoying. <laughs> I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I, I often find myself strapping myself to the mast to try and stave off your your removers. Right. I think you might be the only one. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know no, what you're... Dulcet. Dulcet tones. My, my dulcet tones. Yeah, I just I just stand at the side of the parkway and, and shout <laughs> insults at people. That's, that's my version wow. of being a siren. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> okay. Well, on that no, note, no, listeners... Fuck off! <laughs> It's good. It's good. We're on. We're on the rails. We're on the rails, and it's good. We're on the rails. We're back on the rails. Okay, there you go. All right, folks. Here's something we don't usually do at the beginning of the show, but guess what? Would make our day a review. Seriously, we'd love to hear your thoughts. How else will we ever learn and improve from this Bristol scale bollocks? So wherever the hell you're tuning in from, why not take a moment to leave us a review? And hey, who knows, maybe Chris will even read it out on air, gracing us with his sultry radio tones. How cool would that be? It's true, actually, listeners. If you if you do review us, then AJ will finally shut up about it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and he won't, he, he'll, he'll stop bothering you. Um, and I'll read it out on air. I'll read out, I'll, I'll read out the most hilarious ones. Okay. I like that. Deal. Right, only 47 minutes into fucking recording this podcast. Without further ado, go grab yourself a drink, pull your chair closer to the fire, and come join Chris, Matt, Shan, and myself for this week's episode of the Adventurers Anonymous Podcast. Cue intro music. Jesus Christ, that's the world's longest intro. Who's ready for a recap? Yeah, give it to me. Give it to me, baby. Inject it straight into your ears. All right. Last we left off with our intrepid adventurers, they were enjoying life's simple pleasures during a much-needed break at the charming retirement cottage of an elderly gnome couple, Marjorie and Roger Squeals. The setting was idyllic, a blooming garden, birds serenading them, and the aroma of freshly baked delights in the air. However, there was one hitch in their plan to purchase a boat from this delightful couple, the presence of a member of the Gnomish Mafia, known as the Damali Ding-Dongs. During the episode, each player went their separate ways, Tatty opening up to Marjorie, sharing the weight of his burdens that he carried on his tiny shoulders. Belsiar spent his time in the garden shed with Roger, collaborating on a risky homemade heat ray they named the Squealer. As for Maud, she did what only Maud would do, attempting to negotiate with the gnomish criminal called El Cascabel. When her powers of persuasion failed, she resorted to an unconventional method, unleashing her pet bees to dispatch him, a rather unfortunate end for the poor guy. And so it was, our adventurers eventually succeeded in acquiring their first naval vessel, the Lady Luck, a sturdy sea barge. After bidding farewell to the elderly gnome couple, they embarked on their voyage across the high seas, leaving Marjorie and Roger waving them off. And that is where we will pick up this week's 
episode. I want to just uh, call out ahead of time. I did not know that we were actually going to play today. I thought we were literally just doing questions and nonsense. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. That's exciting. Let's do it. That would be why the Garrett intro took open. 49 minutes to do. Uh, yeah. That's going to be a very special extra 49 minutes for the... Uh, for the <laughs> for the content, uh, baby. For the patrons. Uh, Okie dokes. Right. So basically, yeah, you've just... So what I've done, I earlier on, listeners, and I will share this with our patrons, I sent a stat block for the Lady Luck. Uh, I had much fun learning the nautical rules of D&D. Uh, so you should have in Messenger a snap block for the sea barge, a Lady Luck. You find yourself uh, setting off. Now, I'm going to wreck on something, listeners, because I'm the DM and I can do this. I'm pretty sure last week when you traded with Marjorie and Roger, you got three drums of vegetable oil. I'm going to up that to four drums of vegetable anyway, oil. Oh, was it four? Yeah. Three. Oh, okay. Chanel, in the way that only Chanel can do, confused me and told me it was probably three. I'm going to say it's four because judging by the distances and the fuel consumption of vegetable oil in a small sea barge, you're going to need all four drums to get anywhere interesting. This is why you needed those ship's rules, wasn't it? Yes. I've, I've spent a very happy morning working out the ins and outs of the fucking nautical life in D&D. It's been good fun, actually. I've really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, just to clarify for the listeners, we don't have uh, Lewis or Mr. Rag. So anything that happens to Aristobulus or uh, Belsiar can be can be looked after by the players or myself if needed. Aristobulus or Honash, you mean? Do you know what I mean? It's only been two and a half fucking years. I can't be expected to know the names of the characters that I live with <laughs> and fucking edit all the time. Yes, you're quite right. You lose five health points for being a know-it-all. Mark it off on D&D Beyond. Right for AJ's family. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> dark and uh, not sure how I feel about that. That's, that's lovely. <laughs> Okie dokie. So what would you like to do at this point? I don't know whether you've actually had a consensus or ever had a chat amongst yourselves about what's next for you. But you, uh, narrative-wise, you've certainly pulled off. So... You've you've just left the uh, coastal village of Little Titherton, and you left the marina and your little sea barge. Uh, having got the engine going, was put 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 put, and you've kind of like you're you're just leaving the kind of marina. So we've not taken you too far out to sea. You're, you're still on the coast, and land is still very visible. We'll say Marjorie and Roger are still waving you off, and Gatsby's probably still waving as well because he was there. Yes. Right at the front of the ship, there's yes. a, find a place for Keith to be able to just be safe and, and find a, a nice little watch post for him. He can be the lookout. Okay. Like the Lion King meets Titanic. So I believe, just for the sake of narrative, I'm going to say on the prow of the ship, there's a little lantern. Uh, it's not lit, and you, you take out the candle, and you can put Keith in a little lantern oh, glass hole. I like that. At the front of the ship. I like that. So if trouble is afoot, Keith can see it first and he can alert us. I, I don't know how he's going to do that as a, <laughs> as a sugar glider who can't talk to anyone except It's a glass lantern. Yeah. Keith now currently looks like David Blaine being fucking suspended <laughs> in a glass box over the River Thames. But, uh, Someone going to fly McDonald's to him on a drone. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> All right, so... 
Maybe you might want to talk amongst yourselves, work out what you want to do. Um, I'm going to say whilst you're just getting your shit together, Belsia, as you you feel the the sweeping of the ship going side to side uh, on the waves, rubbing your stomach, feeling a bit queasy. You feel your scaly skin is a bit pallid as you reach up and rub the sore wounds on your chest and the two holes, puncture wounds, if you will, in your neck. You look up at the sun and it is glaring down upon you as sweat beads upon your brow. Uh, I need you to make me a constitution saving throw. I like the sound of this. For the listeners, if you've just joined us, Belsiar was bitten by a vampirus. Constitution. Yes, please. Ooh, dirty 20. Dirty 20, very good. As, yeah, you, on a dirty 20, okay, I'll say little more than major discomfort. Like, no actual physical implications. You're not going to take any hit point damage on that. But yeah, you, you are acutely aware that your neck is inflamed and there's a soreness in your chest as uh, you at some point need to get these vampire wounds looked at as you you cast your eyes away from the sun as you're you're starting to really not enjoy its its glare upon you can i i I retire to my cabin but very noisily like i'm like oh oh what a woe is me so that everyone everyone on the ship can hear it so at the at the the back of the ship there's like a little kind of like uh at the back of the ship is where the steerage is and uh, where there's there's a few rudimentary bunk beds. Uh, there's enough bunk beds for five people, uh, so mm. you can you can take one of the bunk beds as you wish. But the, as as with the picture, I'll show you. I can I can share the picture with our patrons, etc. It's it's a long barge, so not really a great. There's there's a lot of open space at the front of the ship where freight and containers can be moved. There's nothing really in the front of the ship at the moment except uh, four drums of vegetable oil. Uh, and then at the back of the ship is a nice little kind of like cabin where the steerage and and all is. So what are you doing? I think Tati's going to go to the uh, almost like, call it like the helm, like towards the, towards like where the back is, like wherever he yeah. can get like a good a good view of the rest of the barge and also just try and get a feel for like how it works, I guess, before we make any like huge decisions on like where we're going. I'm a big fan of the fact that you didn't actually ask for a guide on how to use it from the owners before you uh, mm. set off. But uh, yeah, so yeah, you make your way um, to where the um, the main steerage compartment is. You, you notice it's on a raised platform. There is uh, the helm of the barge, uh, which has got like one of those giant wheels on it. Uh, which is slightly too big for you to use unless you want to get out a box or something to prop yourself on. But uh, yeah, there's uh, that looks out down the length of the barge. It's on an elevated position. Uh, so mm. you've got a great view all the way down the barge and out to sea at the moment. Uh, and it's got like a nice little kind of like roof to it to keep the weather off. Um, this this part at the back is the only covered part on the ship. So you need to sort of hide out in the living apartment or steerage apartment if the weather gets worse but yeah from from point of view of the ship the ship's uh composed uh the three bits you need to be aware of the hull the helm and the engine those are the bits that have sort of like critical hit areas as far as you're concerned from a from a rules point of view uh each having their own hit points etc if you do damage them 
Uh, now, the, the speed of the ship, he said, referring to his notes, you go five miles per hour, which is 120 miles a day, roughly. Um, okay. Unless you damage the engine, in which case you can go slower. <laughs> can go can go slower. Can go you slower. Can make it, you can make it slower by fucking with the engine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I get that. Uh, and you can you can turn in ninety degree increments uh, unless you take out the helm somehow through damage, in which case you cannot uh, turn the ship. But yeah, uh, it consumes one barrel of vegetable oil a day. So we'll assume that's either one day's use keeping the engine on or 120 miles, whichever you wish to do. You may wish to just be stationary running the engine. Okay. Can I... Hmm. Can I uh, get my map out and with the, mm. the the notes on where the Emmentals are, try and figure out like which one's closest. I'm yeah, sure we did this at some point before we went to Little Titherton, but I just want to you check possibly did. whether whether it was the fire or the is it the water one? I can't remember. We're closer to where we are now. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I did the uh, I did the mass on this earlier because I had a feeling that you were gonna. You're going to ask. So, yeah, the ones that you were looking for are the fire emmental and the water emmental. Uh, the the fire emmental being the closest. It's near the Everplume underwater volcano. And uh, that is on the other side of what you can see on your map is called the Torrid Reef. And that would take you two days. It's almost in a flat line straight off the coast in front of you. It would take you two days to get there. Hmm. And so you've got two barrels. It would take you two days to get there and two days back, assuming nothing went wrong. Now, diagonally down and to the left is the diver's grave, which is where the water emmental is in the uh, Swavian Isles. And at a mm. diagonal, that would take you four days. So you'd use up all of your oil, uh, all of your vegetable oil together and would have none to get back. So. From a purely logistical point of view, at the moment, with the resources you have, if you want to get there and back, the only one you could do is the fire. The fire one. Yeah. Which is at the Everplume underwater volcano, just past the Torrid Reef. Okay. Yeah. I think we, um, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense at the minute to, to try and go all the way to the Swaven Isles. So I think the... Underwater volcano is probably the best bet at the minute, especially if we've only got four barrels. Yeah, I think I'll. Uh, did you say I can't use the helm because I'm too small? I mean, you could you could pick something up. You, you there's no reason you couldn't get a stool or a or a crate or a box or something. That's just yeah. uh, it's just logistics, isn't it? I'll get myself a. I'll get myself a. Would you like me to find you a box? No way. It's Legolas that <laughs> says that, not Gimli. <laughs> <laughs> thought you would make it some reference to uh toad toad flaps so. yeah i think i'll i'll look for like a little crate or something just so that i can like stand up tall enough to like see above the above the wheel while i'm while i'm steering it uh and i'll try mm. and figure my shit out and try and try and set us set us on course for the um for the everplume underwater volcano ah there's the map good good very good so I'll live on Everplume. So if you if you go to the Everplume, which is you should be able to see just underneath the sign that says Menagerie Coast. Yeah. If you were to go all the way right through the T and the E, you were just at the top of that little sandy outlet. The little the little nubbin. The little nubbin with a yellow cap on it. That's where you've just set off from. 
So you've got to go yeah. through the Torrid Reef to get to the Everplume. And if you look down from the Everplume, you'll see Diver's Grave, which is yeah. twice the distance. Uh, so unless you really wish to get more resources... No, no, I'm not telling you you have to go to sea now. You can do anything you wish. But you are, you are, you are in ownership of the Lady Luck. I think we need to find food. Let's, uh, hmm? We need to find food. I mean, we probably got like rations and stuff, right? We can probably probably manage for like the next few days and then yeah if you push it beyond a few days without finding a way of finding food then you'll be in trouble yeah we can do a bit of, start do a bit of fishing of while we're on there yeah we can do some <laughs> do some fishing <laughs> while we're here <laughs> i Why can't not? believe that we that we referenced fishing earlier and now we get to we get to talk about Actually, it like it's fishing. like it's just a normal thing plus with belsey oh it's like fishing with dynamite um yeah although Ice fishing. I'm very fire heavy and fire in the sea and to cancel each other out. You could make a great, like, domestic barbecue. Yeah, I was <laughs> thinking that. Just hang them from your nostrils and you get some, sh- get some shrimp on the barbie. Yeah. So what, if a dragon sneezed on your dinner, you'd want to eat it? Jesus. <laughs> Depends what you mean by Maybe sneezed, not. you fucking deviant. What? Why sneeze? Jesus Christ, I didn't say you were sneeze into my open mouth. People pay good money for that in Soho. Okay, right, enough of this debauchery, listeners. Come on, 8.5 million people world round are listening to you here, like pontificating. Yeah, we're waiting on you, bud. I'm ready to go. I'm waiting on you. Thessalonica is, is wondering what you're going to do, as is Las Vegas, as is the the, the Texans. The Philippines have been a bit quiet recently. I told you what I'm doing. Oh, sorry, I didn't listen. I probably talked over the top. Of <laughs> Probably did. <laughs> at least you know. At, at least you. At least you know yourself. At least I've you're self-aware. Got listeners. a harpoon gun. I can't remember where I got it from, but it's in my inventory. Got it from the Ukatoans. I remember. I've been waiting for this moment. Belsia goes fishing. The uh, crocodile story. Who do you, oh, the, the the fish people. The fish people. The fish people. The Kuatoans. Yeah, can I like uh, do a do a dice and shoot shoot a harpoon in the water and hit a whale? A whale, sure. That's very specific. So, just to clarify, Mister Neil, if I did talk over the top of you, your plan is to to sail two days out to the Everplume to get the fire emmental. Yes. Okay. Right. So, as you set off with everybody doing their bit. Belsia, you have taken it upon yourself to be in charge of food. Taking out your harpoon gun, you hang yourself over the railing of the ship. Now, as the ship goes out to sea and land becomes a distant speck in the background, and we'll get to the bulk of the travel in a minute, but we're, we're going to assume you're still near the coast at this point for the sake of, of rules, etc. You hang yourself over the edge, staring down into the briny waters of the deep. Looking, waiting for some morsel of food to come by. Now, I need you at this point to make me an investigation check. On fish. Ten. Ten. You see a school of dolphins splashing in the water, keeping exact distance with the side of your barge as you pootle out with the bay. You see little... Dolphins skipping across the waves. I can't shoot a dolphin. Yes, you can. Let's wait. Can I wave at the dolphins? No, no, shoot them. 
Wow. Unexpected. John hates dolphins. We don't like dolphins here. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna befriend the dolphins. Love it. In fact I'm 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 gonna use um detect thoughts <laughs> to say hi to the dolphins. Oh dear God. I love my life. Okay, yeah, what are the rules? LCR on making friends. I would like to make friends with this person. I will enter their mind. <laughs> yeah, just violate their mind. Uh, what's it called? Detect thoughts. Yeah. Um... There we go. So let's just quickly read the rules, listeners. For the duration, you can read the thoughts of a certain creature. When you cast a spell, as you might see, sort of hear lower, it doesn't speak. <laughs> okay, I don't think it actually requires any kind of role by the other thing. Okay, right. So, as you look out at the dolphins uh, splashing across the water, the sunlight twinkling off the waves, the foamy brine being whipped up on the ocean. You see the dolphin skipping playfully from wave to wave, vanishing under the water and bouncing back up. As you channel the powers of your mind, you stare at one particular dolphin that you think is making eyes at you. Entering its mind, you just hear in your mind's eye a little... I feel you, bro. I'm I'm on the boat. Hi. As you hear a as its blowhole erupts and water sprays out. You follow our boat, well you can round up some fish and we'll throw you a fish. We we can have a mutually beneficial partnership. Glad to see this is so well planned. He look make make right, make me a persuasion check. Never thought I'd fucking do this. If you hang out with us, you can come have a have a symbiotic relationship with our boat. <laughs> where you give us fish. Where you do you do you do all the work and you get a small portion of the of the reward. Yeah. Capitalism, baby. Um, oh damn it, that was gonna be my joke. Hey. Uh I got a five. A five. As you hear a as he's like I'm confused. I'm a dolphin. You're a crocodile. What? I don't want to fish. I eat fish. I'll eat fish. I have safety in numbers. Who told Who told AJ to do his best Christopher Walken impression? That is perfect. As the dolphin says, Did you know we are the only creatures that pleasure ourselves in the sea? I'd like I, I I'd like to shut off the text force now. <laughs> As the dolphin says, "We're done with the dolphin." You rub me, I rub you. I give you fish if you rub me. <laughs> Why <laughs> won't this turn off? Tickle <laughs> <laughs> my blowhole! Tickle my blowhole! <laughs> now he's in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> wow. As that was that was You just hear the <laughs> just slowly drifting away into the ocean. So problematic. So problematic. just rocking rocking back and forth on the, on the deck. Well, 
There we go, listeners. That was a little delight. And I'm pretty sure I've pulled three of the six stitches in my mouth <laughs> from dental surgery doing an impression of a horny dolphin. Worth it. It's worth it. It was worth it. Okay. Right. Um looking now you keep looking for food we're going to pan back to the rest of you what jobs are you taking on this ship uh mr neil and maud and you can speak for aristobulus and hanash if you wish are there any particular roles you wish to do before we we roll for what happens on the two days voyage um yes chanel i am going to set a nice little um i'm gonna set so do we have sails on this barge? Are sails an option? Uh, that's a good question. Make me an investigation check. Eleven. Eleven. Uh, you you look about, but you you think that this is mostly a very rudimentary combustion engine that runs off vegetable oil alone. You can't find anything. You can find various safety kit for if people fall overboard, etc. There's there's a tiny life raft, like a lifeboat. That can be used in in the event of emergency, but there's no there's no secondary power source. Oh, uh, that that um, rules out what I was going to do. Then I was going to write the pirate sign in my own feces on on um, on the sail and then hoist it. Excellent, excellent. N- nothing scares off seafarers more than a fecal pirate, fecal skull and crossbones. <laughs> I just like to imagine sailors coming by us and saying. Oh, that's the pirate flag. Oh, they they look okay. And then getting close enough to see that it's written in shit and they're like, whoop, no, 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 no. Stay clear of those ones. Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> that's a good reference. Look at me. I'm shitting on the flag now. <laughs> okay. I've got, I've got great jobs for. I've got I've got great jobs for Hunash and Aristobulus, uh, and I don't know right. how they line up. I don't know how they line up mechanics wise, but I actually think these these right. like Hunash's Hunash's job. I think it's like on an actual ship, it's kind of like a bosun. He's basically like the, the the strong guy who does all the all the stuff with the ropes. So if there were mm. sails, then he would be the one like hoisting hoisting the sails. Um, but I think he's basically just like uh, doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, and we make sure that he still has his tricorn hat on so that he he feels good oh, about his yeah. job. Yeah. He's got so many fucking hats, that guy. He does so Hanash Hun- is like the bosun, and I don't know if it's like a, a if it's like a real thing, like mechanics wise, but I think Aristobulus will probably enjoy being like in charge in charge of people's morale. He will kind of be oh, like okay. yeah, he'll yeah, be, yeah, he'll yeah, be, yeah, yeah. He'll be he'll be he'll be playing like sea shanties hmm. all day long. Um, basically making sure that everyone's everyone's looked after, and I think I think Tatty will kind of stay at the helm for most of most of the journey, and because it's the like the highest point on the barge, it's a good place for like getting a good view of everything. So I think that kind of makes sense. My perception is pretty good, and I'll have I'll have the map next to me. By the helm mm-hmm. with my notes and everything, so I I know where I'm supposed to be going. Sounds good. Okay, that sounds good. I like that. Okie dokes. So, Elsie, I can be the chef when he when he when he ropes into some fish. Something. Yeah. Okay. 
just to speed narrative along. Yeah. Um, Belsia, make me a nature check. Oh, ever get to do a nature check? Fifteen. Fifteen. You try all sorts of different fishing, and finally, after trying to coax just about every form of wildlife in the great wide ocean in, you manage to jimmy-rig a lobster pot out of an old crate, and you get three ferocious-looking snapping lobsters um, nice. up onto deck. Good haul. Like it. Like that. As they're, they're, they're currently in the crate, snapping away, <laughs> staring at you, all three of them looking pretty miffed to be hauled out of the ocean. Can you hear what they're saying? <laughs> We've, We've made, made that not. mistake before. We've made that <laughs> mistake before. Turns out everything in the sea is super fucking horny. <laughs> Especially the lobsters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Insert uh, Aquaman joke here. Yeah. Uh, oh, fuck <laughs> off with Jason Momoa. Jesus oh, yeah. Christ! I didn't even, I didn't even intend that. But Jason Momoa callback. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just a really paunchy lobster with tattoos. Yeah, with really bad winkle tattoos. Uh, light, light them up. Light them up. Yeah, I suppose I'd, I'd know how to. Well, he comes from he comes from a setting which is basically the deep south. So I, I imagine he knows how to prepare a lobster. Actually, one hundred percent. That's good. I mean, you never technically finished writing that story, but yes, I believe there was some crayfish uh, crayfishing that happened during that. So, okay, um, just because I want to move this storyline along and get to the good stuff and stop with all this frippery, make me an animal handling check. Frippery is the best bet. How dare you? Frippery that we made on the way. A dirty 20. A dirty 20. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've, uh, you've prepped lobsters before. You know what you're doing, roughly, you believe. Um, we're going to leave the cookery to you. You've still got some of your artisanal cheese that you, you got along the way. And Maud, Initially, Maud, you're rifling through various boxes and crates looking for things. Your first warning, you can hear the animals and you can hear the screams coming from the lobsters as you look over and see Belsiar is just pulling their limbs off one by one, <laughs> uh, not having euthanized them. <laughs> as you just, you hear the lobsters, Maud, as they're like, God, no! But then the voices of the lobsters go quiet after a while, and the smell of lobster thermidor wafts over the waters as Belsiar has has cooked up some pretty bougie food for you all, using his garlic cheese and sacrificing (laughs) the ocean's finest. Not the garlic cheese that I applied to my chest. I was going to say fresh, fresh from fresh fresh from the fresh fresh garlic cheese on your chest. Stresses this. Yeah, Maud, it's difficult, Maud, because you can, you can feel a lot of life forms in the ocean around you as a druid. There's a lot of like horny aquatic action going on around you, but also you can feel the three lives of the lobsters extinguished. And you can also feel the panic of Keith, the sugar glider, who's just bobbling around in a glass jar suspended oh, over the ocean mind? deep on the front. In my mind, he's quite happy being now. Sugar glider's quiet. Uh, well, the problem is you've left him for several hours now, and the little glass jar that Keith the sugar glider's in on the prow of the ship is slowly filling up with vomit, and uh, 
He's just swaying backwards and forwards as uh, Keith is currently up to his ankles in his own vomit. Uh, if you leave him a few more days, he'll probably drown. Okay. I'll get Keith out. Who put Kato in there? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As uh, Pakato doesn't really fit in the lantern jar. You have to squeeze him in as Pakato just squishes into the jar, his limbs all bent and crooked, as you just see the two eyes and his face squished up against the glass <laughs> as you hang him off, off the front, looking like a face pressed up against glass with his little his little uh, starchy nose bent at an angle against the, the glass of the lantern. You put him at the front to look out for, for strangers and danger. Right. Anything you would like to do before we make a roll to see what happens across the course of your two-day Adventure. I'd like to get Keith out of the lantern, please. No, we did that before we put Potato in. The one thing you'll notice is that Keith <laughs> isn't crushed underneath Potato in a lantern, in a lantern jar. Um, Keith has his face pushed into Potato's bum crack. The other thing the I would like a... to do is I would like to. Have we got any cleaning supplies on this boat? On this boat. This is a fucking barge, yeah, no, not little. What do you mean? Me. Have we got any cleaning supplies? Supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, make me an investigation check. Jesus there, there's, a, there's a plan here. Hold on. Do we do anything else but investigate? Four. Four. Just be glad it's not. I mean, you. You <laughs> shut up. As you you go through um, various crates, one thing you do find is is some fishing nets that would have been really useful to Belsiar earlier. But uh, you certainly, you find some sort of like low-grade whiskey that Roger was probably trying to hide from Marjorie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find like all sorts of like maps and pamphlets, um, but you can't really find anything. You do find a single bottle of pure ethanol. Okay. Is there, uh, is there a mop? What I'm looking for specifically is a mop. No, you do, however, find an oar and a cushion cover, and you can fashion yourself a mop out of it. Okay. And a wig. So what I'd like to do... Stop making fun of... Th- let's not be silly. <coughs> let's not be silly, Matt. Come on, let's keep this serious. What I'd like to do is I would like to um, whittle a, a kind of pokey... A spear. I'll whittle a spear out of the um, sharp end at the wood. <laughs> I don't want to make a big thing out. There isn't a sharp end of, a, of an oar. No, sorry. I'll whittle, Do you mean the I will whittle a sharp end into an oar. Okay. Right. So you want to make a giant arrow. I'd like to make a spear. <laughs> okay. Okay. And where does the cushion cover in the ethanol come into this? She recalls uh, vaguely he- overhearing a tavern conversation um, about um, about subduing somebody by putting ethanol on the cushion cover and holding it against them. So she remembers that and she just mentally takes a note and she's like, if it all gets a bit too much and they you know, they just won't shut up, then, you know, I'll... I'll <laughs> <pull up on."> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You don't need to waterboard him. You just hold it against his... his like his mouth and his nose, and he goes very quietly into the dark night. That'll be fine. As you look over at Aristobulus, who's singing sea shanties out of tone, as you hold the, the cushion cover in the ethanol and consider waterboarding him. <laughs> wow. Just okay. wondering what will happen if you sub ethanol for, uh, for chloroform. 
where we get the party started. Jesus H. Christ. Okay, right. So, so you want to spend your time whittling a spear out of an oar? Okay. Um, hmm, that's interesting. Could you make me? I don't even know. Yeah, what, what are you going to do with that? Just make a sleight of hand check. It's about as dexterous as you're going to. Just imagine the rest of us just watching... 14. Watching Maud in the corner of the boat just whistling a spear and someone says, that's interesting. 14. Yeah, you make a rudimentary spear. I've got no reason to to have a problem with that. You've got enough time taking out a pen knife. You just keep whittling away at the oar. I mean, let's hope the engine doesn't give out and uh, you you need the oars. But uh Yeah. You can you can mark off a spear in your inventory. I'll allow that as part of the rule of cool. Uh, Tatty, it's at this point, as you sit at the helm looking out to sea, you've only set off about an hour ago, it suddenly dawns on you. You forgot the horses. Oh. I mean, weren't these the horses that we literally just got from, like, the fertility festival? Yeah. You've left them, Fuck em. like... Fuck them. Uh, they're, close, they're close enough. They can go back and go back for the next fertility festival. <laughs> okay, they're they're currently tied up outside Marjorie and Roger's uh, little retirement cottage. As you see, yeah, Roger and Marjorie are like, two things are going to happen. We're quickly going to flash back to Little Titherton here. Uh, two things are happening. Roger's standing there staring at a bunch of horses as he's like, well, that's nice. We not only made a thousand gold pieces, the extra hundred, we also made a bunch of horses. As you hear a scream coming from the garden as he races through the cottage into the back as he just looks at Marjorie, who's standing over the cold, pallid, dead form of a man lying face down in a plate full of uh, lemon drizzle cake as they've just realised that, that Maud murdered a man in their back garden last episode. They don't know it's me. I think it was pretty bloody obvious by the fact that you were sitting at the table with him and there's now honey dripping out of his mouth. Circumstantial. Slander. Libel. Outliers. Outliers. I, I think the offering of, uh, of of the steeds has outweighed the destruction of the, the cake and any other foodstuffs that mm. we may have had. Or in other words, I think it's horses for courses. <laughs> wow. Boom, boom, Good boom, boom, boom. fucking lord, that was amazing. <laughs> As you just hear Roger going, oh, not again, Jesus Christ, don't worry, Marjorie, I'll get the shovel. As they bury another body. Uh, right, so you've got a two-day journey ahead of you. You've managed to secure some some food and some weaponry, and you know, meet the meet the horny dolphin. Um, so, what I would like you all to do is over the course of the first night. So, after it, we we'll just have a bit of narrative here, listeners. So, you set off. All of you adapting to the sea at different rates. Some of you a lot more familiarized with life at sea than others. Hanash going slightly greener than he already is, just hurling up his lunch over the railings several times and just curling up in a little ball by by some ropes. Um, nothing seems to be dismaying Aristobulus, who belts out tavern tunes at the top of his voice on his lyre, trying to keep everybody enthused with morale um now the rest of you look out you see the weather is starting to get a little bit choppy as you head out to sea in the afternoon the day is wearing on uh looking out at the rolling waves out at sea you can see the frothy peaks on them 
spilling and roiling over as, as the little barge first going up the peaks of waves and then thrown over the top of them. You see the waves are getting taller and larger as you head further and further out to sea. And as the sun starts setting, you can see a beautiful golden vista, the golden light spilling over the edges of the sea and rippling across the waves. It's quite a beautiful sight to take in, as the weather's still quite nice, in fact, at this point. You can see a flock of birds flying over the top of you. They're squawks as they fly in a V formation, heading back towards land. And every so often, you look out. Some of you think you can see various marine animals cresting the water around you as animals like dolphins skip and jump and leap in the water as you head further out. Now, heading into the night, let's say that you've consumed your lovely meal of lobster thermidor and sated your appetite. Is there any particular watch order or, you know, who's staying up to, to drive? Who's steering? Is anyone sleeping? What's, what's the dealio? I don't know about an order, but I, I can stay up and, and keep an eye on the, keep an eye on stuff and uh, stay on the helm for at least the first, the first watch. Um, I'll bring Barbara up with me. Oh, yeah. How's Barbara faring in all this? Um, I think at first she's a little bit, she's a little bit skittish. Uh, probably like, uh, sat whining a little bit. Uh, just like low, low whines. Uh, but I think after she's had some food, um, she probably calms down a little bit. She probably took us her out a little bit. And then she, um, she probably just like lies down, lies down behind me while I'm stood at the helm. Um, yeah. And, um, I'd rather, I'd rather let her sleep, to be honest. Okay. And she curls up by the, by the helm with you. Okay. Anyone else? What are you, what are you doing, Morden and Belsia? Are you sleeping? Are you staying for watch? What are you doing? Um, so I would like to find more wood to make more wood out of. Right. I, I have this horrible sinking feeling that we are not alone. Oh dear. Um, we're not alone. And so I want to make sure that we're fully prepared for battle if need be. Okay. Well, there's, there's at least, uh, five other oars that you haven't ruined yet. You make your way there is a trap door and you see there's like a kind of like underneath the um front of the barge there's kind of like um a hole under area for for, for transporting goods and stuff uh, down in the hold uh, there's nothing of any function down there there's no living quarters or anything but there are beams and rafters you see various crates just full of crap odds and ends pans some of it was just old stuff that Roger couldn't fit in his garden shed. Can we go through everything? I'd like to do that. Well, alphabetically. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah you can, you, what? That's how you want to spend the night. Whilst Tatty's driving and whilst yeah. everyone else is sleeping, you want to you wanna go, okay, yeah, sure. Tieflings okay. don't need a lot of sleep. What's that? Tieflings don't need a lot of sleep. Is that canon? Canon. Tieflings don't need a lot of sleep. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tiefling narcoleptic. Uh, yeah, make me an investigation check. 14. 14. You find a crate of freeze-dried ramen noodles. There are enough freeze-dried ramen noodles to, to keep you going for a long time. 
you find a crate that just has loads and loads and loads of really old, worn-out copies of Angler's Weekly. Uh, clearly, Marjorie told Roger to get rid of them at some point, and he couldn't bear it, so he hid them on the barge. So you've got a crate full of Angler's Weekly. Oh, well, the pages stuck together. Uh, you wouldn't know on that roll. <laughs> yeah, and you you just find uh, various crates. Some of them have got, like, pots, pans in them, like, you know, bent and smashed up copper pans. Uh, you find a crate full of slightly worn out crockery um, and you find a crate which has various like old curtains in it and you find another crate that appears to have Marjorie's wedding dress. You find a tiny gnome wedding dress. Oh, oh. oh no, that's sad. They left it behind. Throw it overboard. Scare the shit out of some other sailors when they see uh, uh, just a just a wedding dress floating in the sea. <laughs> it's a, it's a tiny gnomish wedding tiny dress. Wedding dress. Yeah, even scarier. All right. So as all that's going on, more just rummaging through crates through the night. Belsia, you can have yourself a long rest if that's what you're doing. Uh, Tatty, you stay up for the lion's share of the night. At some point, you will have to sleep. Otherwise, you you and Maud will get a point of exhaustion. Yeah. You. Carry on. Now, Tatty, make me, being that no one else is really paying attention, make me a perception check. Ooh. Uh, 15. 15? Okay, right. And let me roll. Oh, dear. Okay. No. As you stay up, Tatty, you stare out. Onto the sea, the sea's rhythmically rising and dipping. You see the horizon going up and down through the front of the ship as you keep her on course through your first night. You look down at Barbara, who's curled up in a ball by your feet underneath the crate that you're standing on to uh, steer the ship to get up to the, to the height of the wheel. You look over and you see there's a pair of rabbit's feet uh, on a piece of cord which are just swinging from side to side as the boat leans and yours. And on a 15, you start noticing something prickling at your, your nose. There's an odd smell that's starting to catch your attention. Hmm. Well, as far as I know, Hanash isn't trying to intimidate anyone that's on the boat. So I don't think, I don't think, I don't think in the last uh, 12 hours that he's just decided to take a shit on the boat. Although maybe he did. I've not checked out the bunks yet. So uh, maybe he was, True. maybe he was marking his he territory. He by smearing one on there. Do I, do I recognize it as something that would be familiar in this kind of environment? Like, would it be like an animal smell? Is it like the salty sea smell? Is it? Or I'd say it for a 15. Like, does, it, uh, does it feel like woefully out of place? I would say you've, you've lived long enough. On a 15, it smells burnt. Hmm. Mm, no. Um, Burning or burnt? Well, it's the same thing. No. No. Mm, slightly different. I mean, I don't really want to, I don't really want to leave the, leave the helm unattended. I assume if I take my hands off the wheel, it doesn't just go like, whee, start fucking spinning. But, uh, it doesn't go wild, but yeah, it does, it does move because the start, rudder is just, move. yeah, it does yeah. start to turn, but, um, you know, you're not going to start doing donuts in the water. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, uh, 
keeping keeping my attention uh, ten and two. Um, I will. Um, I'll just try and try. <laughs> ten and two. It's the new slicing the pie. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll uh, I'll try and wake Barbara up and and um, just see if see if she see if see if she reacts to the smell at all. Um, see if I can see if I can get her to to help me out with this. Especially if everyone else is yes. basically in bed or like not not where I can see them. Taking your your hands off the wheel, it does start turning a bit left to right, but it's not going wild. Uh, as the boat freewheels in the water, you look down and just rub Barbara, who lifts up her one eye opening sleepily. She looks up at you expectantly to see why you've just woken her up. Mm. Looking for the treat. What the fuck? I'll give her a piece of my kind of dry rations. It's probably just like mm-hmm. dried meat or something like that. Give her a little bit of uh, yeah. something just to uh, just to wake her up a bit. Sure. Yeah, you, you give her a piece of the buffalo foreskin biltong that you've got. As she sits up, shakes herself off a little bit, and she starts sniffing the air as well. She can smell whatever you can smell. I'm going to cast Speak With Animals, and um, I'm going to say, um, can you smell that? She looks up at you. She's still stretching. She's like, oh, God, yeah. Why did you wake me for me? Yeah. That's not good. Smells like we might have a fire. Hmm. Something's overeating. Could be the engine. <laughs> I love how calm you are. Could be the engine on this wooden boat out at sea. <laughs> yeah. Love oil. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna say to Barbara, can you um, head down to the head down to the bunks and see who's awake? Get someone to check the engine because uh, I don't want us to, I don't want us to go massively off course, uh, and I can't do fucking yep. everything. Sure. So skipping along, Barbara jumps up, nuzzles the side of you, Tatty, and she skitters off, running to the bunks. She looks around. She hears oh. like some sort of like rubbing and shaking coming from Aristobulus's bunk, and she sort of like goes <laughs> as she tries to wake Hanash up, who is in an absolute state of like nothing is waking him up. She tries biting his hand at one point, but he still doesn't wake up. As she walks over to Belsia, now Belsia, you are having a wonderful dream about two ladies and one tankard as you you're just enjoying yourself lost in the moment as one of the ladies just walks up and licks the side of your face and as you you try your best to tell her that you're not really into that as a as a discerning crocoborn you keep feeling this lady in your dream licking the side of your face as you open one eye Something wet slides up your eyeball as you look over and see Lady is trying to trying to wake you up. Barbara, sorry. Barbara is trying to wake you up. Oh, I say. Trying to... That's racist. <laughs> Don't culturally appropriate Wolf. What, what is it, girl? As she pours at your face, uh, you wipe the warm Wolf saliva out of your eye. As uh, she she pours at you, trying to get you to come along, Give, doing the classic like lassie. I give her a little bit of the dog, dog treat. I say, "There's a good girl." Uh, internally, you can't hear this. Barbara's like, "Fuck me, I'm gonna get fat if everyone keeps on feeding me." <laughs> Jesus Christ! 
Then why get paid in food? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bite. I'll, I'll get out of bed. I'll be like, where does it go? Slinging your feet over the edge, you can smell burning in the air. I, I scream. Just... <laughs> Fire! <laughs> Have we identified whether it's on the ship or not? Well, you're you're nowhere that you're you're down pissing about with crates. Yeah, but I'm not dead. I'll know if the ship's on fire. Well, why don't you make me a perception check then? <laughs> I'm not dead. I would know if the ship was on fire. Fuck you, six. <laughs> six. Um, Might as well just in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> You're really taken by the small gnomish wedding dress. Uh, it's beautiful. The embroidery and the stitching is just gorgeous on it. For sale. One gnomish wedding dress. Never worn. You <laughs> one previous have, owner. much to your moment of shame, you try and put on the gnomish wedding dress. And having got one <laughs> foot in one it, one leg? <laughs> you've got one leg in it, when you just feel terrible, as you look over and you see Picato. As you, you and Picato are lost in a moment of wonder, as both of you, you, you start dressing up Picato in a small gnomish wedding dress. He doesn't look particularly thrilled about it, but um, he complies. Okay, but he looks very fetching with the veil. Yeah, you tickle him in his tubers, and he, he, he basically like bends to your will. Uh, you know all the right places to rub Picato. As, um, um, as, yeah, you're you're of no use to anybody. But Belsi at the moment, Tati, Belsia, you're both aware that there's smoke and fire and, and, and like something is not great. Can we find the fire? Or well, I guess to go and check the engine room first. I do that. Yeah, as you go into the engine room opening the door, literally a wall of smoke hits you in the face. Uh, as you open it, like just smoke billows out. As you peer through the gloom, you see the engine is is starting to overheat. It appears last time it was used, Roger used some of that ethanol to uh, scrub it clean. Uh, <laughs> and now it's been used for a day. Um, this is the guy that we just trusted to make a fucking death ray as well. <laughs> Surprised it doesn't run on fucking moonshine. I'm going to say that this seems like a Colin Jackson special. Yeah, yeah, my dad did try and do something similar to me once when I was 18. I nearly killed myself making dinner. Doused you in ethanol. Yeah, you, you, you basically see um, there is smoke billowing out of the engine. We haven't quite got to the fire part yet. but um, Is the engine room a five-foot cube? Because I might have something up my sleeve. Um, it's, not, it's not far off, more like a 10-foot cube, probably. I instinctively use control flames to extinguish as much of the fire as I can. Well, as I said, it's not... This is where we're going to get in, into the nuances. We're not quite... At the, I suppose it is where, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, okay, you use your magic to control. You manage to channel your powers and bring the... The overheating at the engine. Can I see any fire, I guess? I can't see any fire. No. There's a smoke. Okay, In the same I'm way, like, if you no. burn bacon, you can't see fire. Yeah. Like, you can... I mean, it's not ideal operating for an engine. doesn't look like it's going to blow up anytime soon, but it is. Can we go in... Well, do we, do we know how to shut it off? 
Until we turned yeah, it on. I think anyone so. showed you. It is currently, like, it's very, you know, and these are not high-performance engines. We're living in a world of fantasy. It's a very simple combustion engine. Clearly, Roger has has jerry-rigged it himself uh, to run off vegetable oils, etc. And it's it's just a very, you can see it going, put, 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 put. As you look over in the corner, you can see the drums of, of, of oil and you see the oil gauge on it. Uh, is running around about half at the moment as you've, you spent about a day on the seas at the moment. Um, but you do see like black smoke is starting to, to billow off the engine. Okay. Um, I, I'm guessing there's like a, a shut off valve or some way to at least get the engine off. Make me an investigation check. Uh, it's, it's a natural one. A natural one. Oh boy. You see a handle and a valve and two buttons as you panic, grab onto the handle, burn your hand, get furious, and just yank the handle down, uh, which basically you, you thrown to one side. You literally, like everybody in the ship, feels themselves like, Tatty, you fall off the crate and roll off backwards like, Hanash rolls out of his bunk bed as all of you are thrown sideways. As as Tati, you're now moving at considerable pace. You see yourself firing through the water, heading for the crest of a wave, leaving a great white wake behind you. Mm. Okay, I'll um, I'll run down. Smoke to is the, now uh, seriously billowing out of the engine. I'll run down to the engine room. You you basically. Everything is like thrown around slightly. Uh, you're flying through the water now. The wheel is spinning, Tati. Mm. As you find the crocoborn on the floor holding his burnt hand, as you look up as smoke is billowing out the, the, the front of the engine, and you can see the, the fuel gauge is going down rapidly on it. It's, it's, he's, he's basically flooded the engine full of okay. pure vegetable oil. Okay. Patty, um, help. Can I make an investigation check to see how... How to shut the engine off. Help, Tati. Yeah, go for it. Uh, that's a dirty 20. A dirty 20. Uh, looking at it, you, uh, you can see burnt flesh on the handle, which is <laughs> in the downward position now, as you see a red valve. The international sign for probably not a good idea to touch <laughs> this. <laughs> Uh, you see two buttons and uh, a red valve uh, with the kind of left and right arrows on them. Uh, you, on a dirty 20, I'll say you grab a rag and you you turn the valve one way. It doesn't seem to make a great deal of difference as you turn it the other way till you meet pressure. You feel the engine slowly slow down, splutter out, and then eventually turn off. Okay. I've got an idea. I will need someone. In fact, I might. Eh, I might keep Belsia down here. Um, actually, no. Um, Belsia, would you um, would you uh, be a be a be a good sport and uh, head back up on deck and just keep an eye out. Um, give us a shout if um, give us a shout if if I don't know anything other than water or fish uh, comes afoul of the reef. Can do, you, Captain. Um, can I take out my uh, tinkers tinkers tools um, and using my uh, 
uh, investigation check that I did on the engine. See if I can figure out what the problem is and see if I can figure out how to fix it. Why not? Yeah, go for it. So I think, I think off the top of my head, a Tinker's Tools check is just uh, intelligence plus proficiency. So I think it'd be plus six for me. Okay. Roll me a d20 and add six. That's a dirty 20 again. Ooh, you're quite good at rolling dirty 20s. As you look over in the corner, you see the crate of bottles of pure ethanol that Roger had been using to clean the boat. Uh, as you sense, he's clearly rigorously cleaned this engine and then it's overheated and started to combust some of the, the pure ethanol on it. Mm. Uh, as you look around, you work out, you can probably... Well, the engine is currently very hot, but cooling down as you can wash it off with seawater. Getting buckets of seawater, you can start scrubbing down the engine, getting the ethanol off it. As you scrub the engine, you can see the pipes and the cylinders on it and the valves all emit steam as it's still cooling. But, you know, you you managed to maud getting the cushion cover on top of her spear and her 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 oars, you you scrub down you scrub down the engine. Now the problem is you've consumed uh all the fuel that was in the engine. So you've still got your four barrels, but you now have a you now have an empty engine as you flooded it and used all the all the vegetable oil that was in there. Mm. And also nobody's been at the wheel for a while. As you're out at sea at night just freewheeling around well i mean it's not it's not moving though because the engine it's not is now off. no but it was when you so you're now somewhat not sure what direction you're pointing it we're going to be a bit off course i think is the is the issue i think all we can do is let the engine let the engine cool down um clean it off with seawater and uh try and get a good i I've, I mean, I definitely need to rest at some point. Uh, Maud does as well. So I think um, make sure Belsia gets the rest of his long rest and then we'll get uh, Hanash or Aristobulus to just keep watch for the night, even if we're just stationary. Um, probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I, th- I, think I, I think I stay up long enough to, to make sure that the engine cools. Um, we'll refill it probably in the morning. Make sure that the engine cools. I'll try and clean it off, and then, then I'll go to fucking bed. Um, <laughs> basically, okay. So Small working together through the night. Some of you sleeping who needed sleep, and others of you who were asleep who've woken up. Toad flaps rolling up her sleeves and getting involved. Uh, you scrub down the engine, waiting for it to cool off. There is just a hideous smell of burnt seawater um, as the sun starts coming up. You get yourself in a position where you've scrubbed down the engine, it's cool again. Now, the problem is you're not 100% sure what direction you're really facing at this point. But yeah, Tati, after a, after a rest, you can give yourself a long rest. You're woken as, as, as uh, Toad Flaps shakes you. Um, she comes with a plate of grilled white fish as Toad Faps has gone fishing off the side of the boat using some of the nets that Maud found uh, in the crates, and she's caught enough, like, white fish just to you to have very simply seasoned white fish for breakfast. Um, 
It's not what you'd usually eat for breakfast, but it's a welcome, a welcome meal that you can all perfect can all sup on. If I'm up reasonably early, I will try and uh, use the sunrise uh, to reorient us and figure out where we are based on the map. Um, knowing, you know, using the sunrise to uh, to figure out east and west. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what am I going to say there? Make me a survival check. I want to say that's very wisdom-based. Love it. Woo-wee! That's a 26. 26? Yes, using all of your amazing survival skills as a soldier, uh, you've learned more than a thing or two about navigation and orientation. You can work out, based on the rising of the sun, the direction that you want to be heading in. Now, you don't know your exact location, but you can certainly tell the direction you need to head in. Now, the million-dollar question is, is somebody going to fill up the engine? The engine has run out of its initial load of vegetable oil. You have four drums of vegetable oil. Is somebody going to attempt to refill the engine? I'll refill it. Woof. I'll get um, Hanash to give you a hand as well. As I, like I said, he's the... Um, He's the guy on. He's the guy in in uh, in the Pirates of the Caribbean films who's just the who's just the really muscular guy who's just holding ropes all the time. Um, he can be the board. I'll be the brains of the operation. Yeah, that's the way. Phenomenal. Okay, uh, Maud, you can make me an athletics check with advantage because yeah, but Hanash. he's doing all the heavy lifting. Give Hanash advantage. I can roll yeah, up. Give Hanash advantage then, if you want. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 16 for me. Uh, Hanash got a 22. Very good. Yeah. So Hanash doing the heavy lifting, more doing the orientation. There's a, a small metal funnel as you lift up the ginormous barrel of vegetable oil. Hanash's muscles glistening with sweat as he heaves it up. More do you have to orientate the nozzle on the front of the drum as viscous globules of vegetable oil glug out at the front of the barrel. Like 99% of it goes into the engine. A little bit trickles down the side and drips onto the floor, but pretty damn successful. I mean, there's no, almost no wastage, not from a fuel point of view. As it all glugs into the engine, you screw the metal cap back on top of the, the, the fuel uh, port and you dump down the metal drum with a, with a clanging, resounding gong. As you put it back in the corner, you now have Job well done. a refueled boat. I'll get uh, Hanash, Hanash uh, probably with mod supervision, will uh, flick the engine back on. I love the way he needs an adult supervision. Truly, truly. <laughs> You've got the keys up in the helm, Tatty, uh, with the little rabbit's paw on them. As, yeah, you see... Um, trying to describe, I think it's, uh, do you know what you used to get on lawnmowers? You get like a cord and a toggle, rip cord. That's the word it was. It's like a flow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of them. Like, like the kind you got on, uh, The Last of Us repeatedly every time you had to start a bloody generator. Uh, yeah, you got a rip cord. Who's going to make the rip cord? Wait, so is that, is that what's down in the engine? 
is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's down in the engine. Yeah, you're gonna, oh, you're gonna have to pull the. Oh, Maud's gonna do it. Because if it's down for Hanash, she'll pull it up. All right. Okay. Okay. And make me an athletics check. And Hanash will give you advantage. How do I do the advantage? And just roll, roll two dice. Take and... the highest. Oh. Uh, Other way, we're two and a half years into playing D and D, and Chanel's still asking <laughs> how to roll with advantage. Fifteen and six, so fifteen. Fifteen, it is. Uh, yeah, you, you, first of all, a classic, everyone who ever started a lawnmower in the 1980s, the first pull. As you like, as you lean in, and you're like, give it a good old thwapping. As you yank the cord, it goes, as the whole ship starts shaking again, as the engine restarts, you see it spluttering, this time healthily. The, the the engine is shining and pristine as the boat starts spluttering back across the water. Tatty, you feel the the boat moving as the wheel starts. You know, you've now got engine steering back. Because clearly, Roger would have given this tiny little boat engine steering. Engine-assisted mm. steering. Power steering. Power steering. That's the word I was looking for. As you set off back into the tides... Now knowing what direction you're heading in. Uh, yeah, it's a glorious morning. You're all feeling slightly, you know, chipper. It could have been an absolute crisis, but you somehow managed to prevent it. Belsia, you look down. You have burnt all the skin off the palm of your hand. Uh, self-love is going to be tricky for a while. You now have uh, two puncture wounds in the side of your neck, a slash across your chest, and you've burnt the skin off the palm of your hands. I need you to make me a constitution saving throw, as it is a new day. Been a rough week. Okay. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, you take uh, you take seven points of. Uh, radiant damage. Woo! Uh, I'm also going to have to ask you to do that twice, Tati, for Hanash, because he's not been here. We're going to have to do it for the two days. So if you could yeah, make I was two separate... Two separate constitution saving throws. Just let me get his character sheet up. Uh, constitution... Fucking hell, it's only a plus two. Let's see. First one's a ten. Second one is a nineteen. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, Belsio, looking up at the sun, you just feel queasy as you have to lean on um, the railing. As you rub your arm against your brow, you are not enjoying direct sunlight. As Belsiar hurls up his breakfast, the white flaky fish spewing back up onto the deck. As he looks up at the sun, just looking slightly pallid, uh, he's only, he, he saved one and not the other. He saved one and not the other. So he takes nine points of radiant damage. Ooh. If you could mark that off if possible. I can't um, do it on D&D Beyond. And also I can't give him a long rest for the for the night before. So uh, okay. um, somebody remind me. Be. Somebody remind me later. I'll do it. Nine points. Just, yeah. I'll, I'll drop you a message. Noise. Thank you. Okay. Right. As the boat going... Uh, heading off as the day dawns, you keep traveling uh, for another day. Is there anything you wish to do during the course of this day? I'm. I think I probably would have done it before uh, because we've probably had time. But um, just to point out that I have attuned to the uh, blame tongue short sword that we got from 
Ooh, very nice. Might as well. you're supposed to be sailing a boat, you've had one arm just like flicking, spinning a sword <laughs> around. I was up half the night sorting out this fucking engine. I can have a, I can have 20 minutes of me time. All right. I think Aristobulus has had quite a lot of me time. This is what self-care looks like in a fantasy world. Just time to time to attune to your magic can we do? Can we just clarify? Please tell me when you came rushing down the stairs and ran into the engine room that you came in with your flaming sword whilst <laughs> everything was covered in ethanol. That would be fantastic. It doesn't set on fire until, until I tell it to. It has like a command true. word. It's true. It does have a magic word. Can, can we clarify just for the listeners what your magic word is? Uh, you'll have to wait until I use That's it. That's a funny magic word. Ooh. I know exactly what it is. Okay. But you're going to have to wait. Okay. Yep, I got it. I'll take that. It's a good one. It's a good one. I'll take that, listeners. I'll take that. can tell this man has worked in uh, marketing before. Sell the sizzle, not the sausage. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, Tati, you have done that. Now then, for another day, you travel across the ocean wide and the ocean long, just cresting waves. Oh, yes, you know, you've got a hand up here. Can we have a song, please? I was going to say, Aristobulus is probably probably shitty fluting something. Okay. Uh, should we get ChatGPT to make us a, a sea shanty up? Ugh. A terrible sea shanty. You fucking millennials and your obsession with AI. <laughs> I'm not millennial. Jesus Christ. Maybe you are, aren't you? I'm trying to compliment you. I probably am. As you um, sail across the oceans, long you just hear Aristobulus just basically playing the lyre as he's like, "Dunga dunga 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 dunga." Hey, nonny nonny nonny. Hey, nonny nonny nonny. Hey, nonny nonny nonny. Dunga 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 dunga. Hey, nonny. Hey, nonny. Hey, nonny. As finally, Hanash just punches him across the face and knocks him out cold. <laughs> and the music stops. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, after long into the afternoon, when the sweat is thick on your brow, some of you, it's a nice day, and some of you are taking cover in shade inside the cabin where you can, as the, there, there's nowhere to hide from the blazing sun. As you look out in front of you, you can see a reef jutting up out of the sea. You can see various shards of rock jutting out of the water at various angles. Mm. As you carry on, you look, you can see um, bits of broken boat. You can see smashed up bits of wood, tangled sails and bits of netting are caught in some of the bits of stone that jump up out of the water. Still a lovely day, just quite ominous. Mm. Yeah. I think I'll probably try and, until it looks, until we hit a point where it's like literally like more reef than, or like more dry reef than water, uh, I'll probably try and like slowly skirt around debris and stuff as much as I can. Okay. So using the boat stats, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, I gave you earlier the stats for the boat so that you could use them in just such an example as this. We're going to need to try and weave around stuff. Ooh! If you could make me a dexterity check with the boat. Can I give the boat advantage by carrying it on? No. <laughs> Not even the rule of cool. 
I'm denying. Uh, yeah, if you if you could uh, make me a dexterity saving throw with the boat, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell everyone else who doesn't have this open. The boat gets a minus two to dexterity. So uh, it's a barge. It's a barge. It's literally it's a, a speedboat. Fucking hell! I'm not. I'm not fucking. The turning circumference of like the international space station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a a non-natural one. I rolled a three. A not a dirty one. Minus <laughs> minus two. I, I think we've had a dirty one. That's the first. A dirty, a dirty one. A real, a solid, a real solid dirty one. A dirty one. Slamming. You apply the brakes, but you still don't slow down in time. You slam into one of the jutting pieces of stone sticking out of the water as the whole boat rocks to one side, everyone thrown off their feet. You look down at the side of the hull. You have done 18 points of damage to your hull. Your hull has 300 300. hit points. Uh, Minus 18 off it, please. Not too bad. So in the grand scheme of things, you've dinged up your hull. You also got quite unlucky there, is you have a damage threshold of 15, so any damage done underneath 15 doesn't count. Uh, So you've done 18 damage. Uh, You've scuffed it. So your lovely alloys now have a scuff line down it. Just doing maths on the hit points. 282 hit points. So you make your way further into the torrid reef. It's spires of stone jutting up out of the water. And as you go further in, your boat smashes through the wreckage of... There's flotsam and jetsam lying around from other beached boats as you just smash your way through the shell of a rowing boat at one point. As you look back... You realise the rudders got entangled in a in a a net, a fishing net, as Hanash spends many a happy minute using a dagger to cut off a fishing net from the back of your boat that was dragging along a whole load of kelp. And mm. as you peer deeper and deeper into the reef, you come out after a while into the centre of the torrid reef, and you see in front of you a makeshift floating city which is made up of higgledy-piggledy panels of wood and metal hammered and held into place quite a large floating city maybe some 200 meters across with a high palisade wall made out of flotsam and jetsam of anything that's been broken and and disregarded you can see Two ginormous gates at the front as you see various scraggledy looking figures walking along the top with the palisade wall of of basically what is this floating sea atoll. There's like a sort of yeah, a very higgledy piggledy um wooden and metal city, if you will, in the middle of the reef. As you come nearer, you hear shouts from the top of the palisade walls as uh, sentries shout to other sentries as more people run up on the walls to have a look at this tiny little tugboat that's that's rapidly approaching the towering gates. Now that the walls may be twenty uh, five feet high, mm. as you see various sunburnt looking characters looking down, so close that we're gonna like can kamikaze into it. I'll slow down. Um, 
not going to do anything threatening unless they unless they um, they do something untoward. Yeah, if it looks like we're getting close to it, I'll probably slow down a little bit. As uh, yeah, you you bring yourself closer in um, to this this maritime city. It really does look cobbled together. You can see various bits of corrugated metal knitted in this way and that way with various markings on them. Clearly, some parts of them have been hulls of a ship. Um, and you can see just a bustling of people. They obviously don't see many people as people are now starting to gather, looking over the lip of the palisade wall. To one side, you can see a giant, like, um, what's it called? Windmill. You can see various kind of like windmills turning. Uh, harnessing the power of the wind scattered around the walls. Um, and as you get closer in, cutting power to the engines, you float ever closer to the ginormous 25-foot-tall gates at the front of it as a voice shouts down, What be your business here? We don't welcome strangers. It's amazing. Well, this guy's never seen a fucking boat before. <laughs> he knows where he is, right? He knows he's, knows he's in the fucking ocean. <laughs> The fucking sure. <laughs> you see people training crossbows on you. Like three or four of them have raised crossbows. They're not looking to attack you. They're merely being protective, keeping an. We're aim just on passing you. through. We're just trying to get through the reef. Uh, if you let us past, no one's gonna, no one's gonna pop off on you if you don't pop off on us. Let's all be, let's 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 all be nice. Let's all have a, a nice day while the sun's shining. And we'll fuck off Westwoodly. He looks at you and says, What have you got to trade? I mean, I thought I thought you didn't want us here. Um do you want us to fuck off or do you want do you want to trade some stuff? I could be persuaded to trade. We don't get many visitors. Pick a lane. What do you want? Do you want to trade or do you want us to leave? <laughs> well, it depends what you got. <laughs> I'm not inclined to to come and trade with you. Uh, I kind of gestured to the to the people with crossbows held up. Uh, I'm not in the habit of trading at uh, at I don't know arrow point, bolt point, whatever you want to call it. Can I threateningly show my um my selection of pointy oars? Yeah, as you <laughs> whip out a razor sharp oar, you see the man on the top of the wall who is an elderly, sunburnt. A wiry-haired old man with a selection of very poor tattoos that look like they were done with knitting needles inked over his arms. You see him at first sneer at you, and then his whole body shakes uncontrollably as he's like, (laughs) I like you, as he puts an arm out to one side and just ushers down as the uh, the various sentries around the walls all lower their weaponry. He's like, I like you coming here, threatening me with your pointy stick. I think we can be friends. My name is Finnegan Phimosis, and this is Maritopia. <laughs> if you want to come... I in-character in laugh uncontrollably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you sniggering? Shh, shh, everyone, shh, shh. It's a good name. Polite, pol- polite. He looks places. around no, no, confused. No, 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 he puts no, his hands up name. and he... It's a good name. I like it. What's wrong with Maritopia? Well, it's, it's better than Atlantis. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I like it. Better than Atlantis. Ah, uh, fuck me. 
Do you want to come in and trade or not? We got fresh food and weaponry. Yeah, come on, let's, uh, let's, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll drop anchor and, uh, and come aboard, if you don't mind. Anash has already dropped anchor. Always, always <laughs> dropping anchor. As long as you bring the lady with the pointy stick. As he points down at Maud, belly laughing again. I kind of look at Maud like, that expression in my face like, this feels creepy, but also <laughs> I'll leave it up to you. It's fine. I've got all my, I've got big sticks and little sticks. So I'd like to put the little sticks, hide them about my person, the pointy ones. I'd like to take big stick as a threatening observance of what I am. Okay. Where were all these sticks, wooden sticks, when you were fighting vampires? Like, I love the way you went in I with nothing more than a garlic roulade. It just made them. I've just okay. made no, them. No, no, I, know. I was being sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. God almighty. Right. Okay. As Finnegan Phimosis, standing on the wall, like, nods to somebody. You hear, like, the crunching of mechanisms behind the gates as these two water gates open up inwards as you see the uh, the city of Maritopia is a floating kind of like island with a palisade all the way around it as you restart your boat almost dwarfed underneath these two giant gates your barge enters the city and you see built on the inside of these palisade walls are various huts and buildings as there is an entire community of people who live here out in the reef and you see various uh, fishing boats and, um, you know, everything has got this beautiful higgledy-piggledy construction about it. No two buildings are the same. They're all kind of made out of corrugated metal or, you know, you see people have got like uh, sailcloth being used as roofing and there's, there's ropes swinging from place to place. Uh, you see a skeleton up in a gibbet by the gate as various, you know, heads and skulls are being put up to ward off uh, threats that come in. You see um, there is a shack at the back which has the ginormous uh, skeletal structure of a whale hanging over the top of it with the ribs of the whale arcing downwards uh, almost as beams to the top of it. As as you're, you're ushered in and welcomed in as your barge enters the city, of Maritopia, you see the doors and the mechanism crunching behind you as the gates slam shut. And you just see people are really interested to see you, like a lot of people are following you along uh, the inside of the walls. People are watching you with bated breath. You still see the sentries with their weaponry. No one's pointing it at you, but people are aware you're an unknown quantity at this point. As you dock on the on a quayside, the barge Cutting off the engine, you all gather on the deck as you see a welcoming party coming towards you. Before they come towards you, is there anything you all want to do? I guess I put on my I put on my most polite face that I do uh, when I have to deal with with people, uh, and then also Tati does something. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I guess I just put on I just put on my most people people facing face. Okay. I, I, I nervously uh, finger the squealer, which I've hidden in my... <laughs> you finger the squealer, Jesus H. Christ. Are, are you turning it on? No, I'm just, I'm just making sure I've got it, just in case I need it. <laughs> finger the squealer, Jesus Christ. I'm never going to get bored of that. Uh, I gave... I think, I think this episode should be called that. 
fingering the squealer. Fingering the squealer. One finger on the squealer. <laughs> fingering the squealer on the torrid reef. <laughs> so standing on the deck of your barge, you look around and you see on the round in 360 degrees, you are surrounded by palisade walls. High up on the walls, you see various sentries walking with handmade weaponry, most of them looking out to sea. But uh, you also see down below just a whole kind of lovely cacophony of society which has been built here out on the water. And you see there's whole families living here. You see mothers and children. Uh, you see busy workers tinkering away on boats. You see a dry dock where they're building some kind of longship. Uh, and you also see, you know, like a bustling uh, social quarter. The building that has the whale bones for the rafters, you see, is some sort of um, tavern, which has a glittering sign above the top of it uh, that says the Whispering Tides. As you look down the quayside, you see a party of sentries coming towards you. And at the head of the party of sentries, is a water genocide, who, if you don't know, listeners, is a being made out of water. Uh, you see the face, arms, legs of a lady, all made out of water. She has uh, various leathers on her and a bandolier of daggers as she stands at the edge of the quayside, ready to welcome you. You look moored and you see inside the water of her body, she has a tropical fish swimming around behind her eyes, inside her head. And that is where we are going to leave this week's episode. Mm. Nice. That was an interesting episode. I was very much out of my comfort zone there. That was cool. Uh, what? Very much out of my comfort zone. I, I want to just applaud you for your... You didn't... I don't think you knew what to do with the dolphin, and then you'd suddenly you knew what to do with the dolphin. <laughs> I was very impressed. I... Thank you. What well, I didn't, it had to be horny. I did, I did remember watching a documentary once where somebody pointed out that the only other animals to masturbate on the planet other than humans are dolphins. No, dolphins are the only ones that do it for pleasure. That's right. Yes, it's for pleasure, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, dolphins are the only other species on the planet that are intelligent enough to rub one out. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I love the way that you fingered the squealer. That's possibly my favourite phrase that's ever been uttered in two and a half years of playing D and D. It's almost too on the nose. Like it's not. It's it's almost it's the, almost too. The obvious. squealer is the name of the weapon, and you'd, you'd finger the trigger. You'd you'd tenderly brush the trigger. Just for the listeners, I have given Matt the rules for the squealer now, and uh, it has being homemade in nature. Whenever it does variable damage, so you roll a D100. Um, so whether you, you hit or miss, you roll variable damage. So it could do anywhere from one to, you know, a hundred damage. Uh, but the problem is if you roll a double digit or basically any multiple of 11, it, it jams and overheats. And if you max out and roll the hundred, it blows up, taking not only the device, but, uh, does, D D one hundred damage to everything at a hundred feet. So you, there is the one in a hundred capability of totally annihilating the party. 
Um, so Matt has to be very, very, very careful when he wants to use it. It also has a one-minute warm-up time as well, so he has to turn it on and warm it up. So he can't just pull it out, kill someone, and put it away. So this is like we saw how Belsiar uses ice knife, and we were like, we can make this, we can, we can yeah. make this more dangerous and even, even more in line with his character. You can make it more random yeah. and more dangerous. I, I, because it's homemade in nature, I didn't. I didn't want to. I, I wanted to make it overpowerful, but at a risk. So there's every mm. every chance that it will either jam, and if it jams, he has to wait like d ten minutes for it to cool down. So it's uh, it's not just something he can pull out all the time and just use to get you out of trouble. Uh, it comes with a with a cost. He may there may be an entire total party kill if <laughs> he uses it indiscriminately. But yeah, there we go. That's Those those are the rules of the squealer, listeners. There'll be more of that to follow. We might put that on Patreon uh, if our Patreon followers want to use the squealer in their own adventures, along with the stats for the Lady Luck, which I also have, which I'll probably put on Patreon too. Right. Thank you all for snickering at uh, Maratopia. I thought that was a fun name. Apparently not. It was a fun name. It's good. It was just the incongruity of the tough, tough guy attitude, and the it sounds like a an area of Disneyland. Also, Finnegan Phimosis might be <laughs> my 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 favorite name I've ever come up with. Yeah, there we go. Right. Any last parting shots from you before we wrap up for the evening? Um, fuck what I want. Sixty nine, sixty nine, sixty nine. Okay. Uh, is that your Wi-Fi password? Or that's my manifesto, pal. Oh, okay, okay. So it's, it's amazing that you didn't manage to get Miliband into power, being that you are the spin doctor behind the scenes. Truly. Okay. Right. That is about as much as we can achieve for one session. But before we let you go, we just wanted to say a massive thank you for tuning in for another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fuck nuggetry. Now, seeing as you've made it this far, why not consider hitting that subscribe button and never miss another episode again? Now, if you're feeling a bit fruity, why not come and give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are on? All of your reviews and recommendations go a really long way towards spreading the word of our misadventures far and wide, and we really do appreciate them. And you know what? If you leave us reviews, I swear to God, we'll read them out. I swear to God, we will read them out. Please do. Only the most offensive ones. If we find the most offensive ones, we'll read them out. So, you know, if you hate us, read it, just put it in a review and we'll read it out. I like I like bad reviews as much as good ones. Just send, put us something out there and we'll read it out. It, it, it all feeds the algorithm. It all feeds the algorithm. You know, any news is, is good news. Yeah. If you fancy chatting to us about anything you've heard over the course of this episode, your best bet is to come and find us on the Twitters at Adventurers A-N-O number one. Or you can chat to Mr. Neil, who runs Instagram. Uh, he's on there as well, and you can you can go and chat to him. He's waving at you right now, but you won't be able to see that because this is an audio medium. So that just leaves time for a huge goodbye from all of us here. It is a massive goodbye from the Crocoborn himself, Mr. Matt Durant. Bye-bye. It's a massive goodbye from the Cranky Gnome himself, Mr. Neil. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Goodbye. And it's a 
massive goodbye from a lady who's fashioned enough pointy sharp sticks to take down a small army. It's Chanel Williams. Goodbye, fuck off. <laughs> wow, that's hostile. Right. Well, we're all off to find our land legs. I'm personally starting to get a little bit seasick after two hours of doing this. With any luck, we'll see you back here next week. Happy adventuring, my friends. And remember, stay tipsy. Could you do that with any less energy if you tried? Stay Stay tipsy. Goodbye. Bye. Right, go home, piss off, it's over, the end. <laughs>